There you go. Y'all wouldn't want me to go overtime, would you? Well, uh, I'm going to be talking about current events. I've got it on. Yeah, uh, you can hear it, right? The microphone's working. Yeah. Well, it it's on, <clears throat> and here. It's on. Well, it was on. <laughs> okay. Current events in light of prophecy is what we're going to be talking about. So, uh, God has a plan for history. How many of y'all know that? Uh, and some of it's denominated in terms of what we call dispensations or ages. And uh, we're moving... And we're in the church age, and we're anticipating the end of the church age at any moment. And that ends, of course, with the rapture of the church. So you have tribulation events. The rapture ends the church age. And there's probably going to be a time of days, weeks, months, or even years between the rapture that ends the church age and the start of the tribulation. The tribulation starts with the signing of the covenant between the revived Roman Antichrist and the nation of Israel, not any other document. And so then you have the uh, sealed trumpet and bowl judgments, and the rider on the white horse there in Revelation 6 is the Antichrist that heads up the Western Confederacy. And Israel is protected during the first three and a half years because of the covenant that is made. And you have the apostate church, as one theologian said, it's vomited into the tribulation period, uh, along with the Jewish Levitical system that uh, is dominant during that time. And then you have, at the beginning, the seal judgments, and then the trumpet judgments. I believe in the first half, the trumpet judgments are there as well. That's controversial, but nevertheless, I'm sure that Everybody will realize when we get to heaven, uh, oh well. And then at the midpoint, you have a key event. Satan's cast out of heaven, and he comes and indwells the Antichrist. I believe the Antichrist is killed and revived uh, at this point. God does it, because only God can resurrect someone. And therefore, they set, uh, Israel flees and goes to Petra, or the Jews in Israel at least. And then you have the Antichrist as a world ruler at this point. And Israel is persecuted, uh, which is why they flee to Petra, the Jews there in uh, Jerusalem and Judea in that area. And you have the worship of Satan and the Antichrist. And that is then the bold judgments that precede the second coming, which is the the last phase of judgments leading up to the second coming of Christ. And then you have the eight phases of Armageddon, which we won't be getting into tonight. And then you have the second coming of Christ, and uh, that ends that. And the reason for the second coming is to rescue Israel. That scripture indicates that. Had he, and, and that's why they have to be saved to call on him. That's the condition for the second coming. As the Jews become believers, he's wiped out two-thirds of them, as Zechariah says. And every person, I believe at that point, at least three days before, a uh, Jewish person has become a believer and they call on Christ to come and rescue them. And some of you that are new to this realize, boy, there's a lot of detail. Yes, there is a lot of detail. In fact, uh, a little uh, about 20... Eight, 29% of the Bible is prophecy. And probably 58% is future. So there's a lot of stuff in the Bible about these details that most people are just not aware of, and, and it's out there. So what we have is prophecy fulfillment. And <clears throat> so today we're seeing what I call preparation for, for prophecy. A lot of people talk about how prophecy is being fulfilled today. Well, I don't buy that except for maybe the return of Israel to the land. But uh, we're seeing preparation for fulfillment, which 
uh, you know, it means that the fulfillment's going to happen. And so the rapture of the church, I get the rapture in every chance I can, uh, removes us and God's going to shift over to dealing with the 70th week of Daniel. And after the rapture in that interval, there'll be further preparation for uh, the events of the tribulation. And then you have the start of the tribulation. And then you have the seven-year tribulation itself, as we said, divided in the middle. And that's where we see the fulfillment of the details, the hundreds of prophecies and details that are related to the events of the tribulation. And then you have the second coming of Christ that transitions us into the millennial kingdom for a thousand years before the eternal state. That's a whole other phase. So I, we have what I call stage setting. We're seeing stage setting. So we're seeing preparation for the mark of the beast, 666. We're seeing Israel's back in the land after 1900 years. And we see Russia has been prepared for Gog and Magog. We see the temple efforts to rebuild the temple. That's a huge movement gaining a momentum every year in Israel. Uh, we see Babylon, uh, that it has a role, uh, and I believe at some point Babylon's going to become the capital for the Antichrist, at least by the midpoint of the tribulation. And it'll be rebuilt. And we see globalism, boy, do we. And Jerusalem is mentioned, obviously. Jerusalem has to be in the hands of Israel, which it is. And then you have the whole Middle East situation. And the European Union, which is preparation for uh, the revived Roman, the Antichrist kingdom. And then you have the Castleist Society, which is preparation for the mark of the beast. And in our own day, you have apostasy. That's not tribulation related. That's related to the church. So we're seeing the departure of the faith. Uh, who knows if 10 or 15% of the professing Christians are actually Christians, you know. And so we're seeing apostasy that's dominated the church. So let's look at each of these categories. The mark of the beast. And uh, it's not going to be the universal prop code. I'm sorry, and we'll see in a moment here. So you look at the mark of the beast that says in Revelation 13, 6, and he causes all to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And uh, so I got this Fonzie type guy here, and uh, uh, it's so it's a mark, and it's visible. It's not a chip. Although a chip could be used in conjunction with it. Everybody's all uh, preoccupied with computer chips and everything. And the Greek preposition in the genitive case as it's used here is epi, which means upon, not in. And so upon doesn't mean in. So in would have to be the computer chip thing that everybody wants to might turn into the mark of the beast or something like that. And, but it's the mark of 660 and 6. Not three sixes that equal 18, but 660 and 6. It's spelled out in the original language that way. So we see, for example, COVID restrictions, vaccinated uh, versus unvaccinated. Our government and the mainstream media are blaming the unvaccinated for the overload in our hospitals and for spread of Omicron, even though the data does not show that to be the case. Uh, They are using this virus to shame and divide much like the Nazis did the Jewish people. So this is a preparation, I believe, for those kinds of things. Uh, We live in a post-Christian culture in the West, which for the last 1,500 years has had some level of Christianity dominate and is moving away from Judeo-Christian beliefs, which is making the world more evil and sets us up for accepting the Antichrist. So, uh, here's Biden. He delivers a speech on the battle for the soul of the that, that was a weird situation. I won't belabor it, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, that, that is a dictator-type speech, in my opinion. But I, I just threw this in because I like it. There are three detainees escaped the quarantine camp in Australia. Look at that camp in Australia. 
It's kind of like they're getting ready for all this stuff, you know. And, but uh, three, three boys, teenagers, and they caught them within a day. And they brought them back in because they hadn't been vaccinated is why they were in the camp. See, that, that's the kind of stuff that is, uh, the stage is being set for the Mark of the Beast and those kind of things. The United Nations unveiled its statue in New York uh, City headquarters resembling a beast from the book of Revelation. Look at that crazy thing. Uh, but these are the kind of things, art and things, that are being produced today by our culture. And then you have uh, a news nation uh, where you just scan. The news nation talks about how you just scan your hand to buy something. You don't need to uh, uh, pay for something. Oh, well, that wouldn't play. Uh, I bet I know why I turned off the video. Okay, now let's look at Israel. Israel's not in the news, is it? Well, Israel, uh, next. Israel's all over. You have a pro-Palestinian rally in Vancouver on November 4th, and look at this stuff. Uh, you know, uh, just this anti-Israel attitude that you would have never had even 10 years ago of people uh, defending the Palestinians. Many of these people that are supporting this movement, uh, if you had the Palestinians take over, uh, they would be dead. Uh, then you have why the world hates Israel, because God is working his plan through Israel and Satan is trying to disrupt God's plan for history. And so Israel is the, is the new Nazis, supposedly. And the definition of anti-Semitism refers to prejudice. This is out of the dictionary. Prejudice and or discrimination against Jews as individuals and as a group. See, before Israel became a nation, it was against the individual. When Israel became a nation, that's called the new anti-Semitism. Uh, and that includes the nation. So anti-Semitism is based on stereotypes and myths that target Jews as a people, their religious practices and beliefs, and the Jewish state of Israel is attacked. So the hatred of Israel is endangering American Jews, and you see this all over the place. In the aftermath of October 7th Hamas massacre in Israel and the ensuing war disagreement with or Contempt for Israel has become a pretext to attack Jews worldwide. We are witnessing physical violence, intimidation, and vandalism targeting Jewish individuals and institutions, and many Jews are rightfully concerned about their personal safety. When those protesting the actions of the Israeli government attack Jews on their college campuses and in the street, target Jewish businesses and vandalize synagogues and Jewish institutions, that is anti-Semitism, plain and simple. The past two months leave no doubt that anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism, the denial of the right to self-determination and statehood for the Jewish people in their ancestral homeland, are inherently intertwined. So uh, you have things like this, you know, uh, you should de-escalate <coughs> type things. And here, here's an interesting thing. Nazi Germany in 1939, now, this was in France. Did I say that right? Uh, in 2019. And so you're seeing some similarities of relating to the Holocaust. Now, here's my verse, first video. Let's see if that... video was taken by David, my son, who used to be, uh, he, for a year and a half or so, was on a church staff in Cal Berkeley, the, the heart of fundamentalism, right? <laughs> and uh, he was going to, on Mondays he would meet with students, and he was walking 
uh, on campus and saw this occur. So he videoed that himself. Uh, so here, here are some uh, students uh, recently, or, or a few years ago, about the, the rise of anti-Semitism. The issue is that we do experience a lot of anti-Semitism in a lot of different ways. So, to be completely honest with you, um, you know, being against Israel, uh, you know, has become the cool thing. Has become the cool thing to do. Kansas City University think how bad it is now on the college campuses and here we see This is just a week ago that this occurred in, in France, once again. Uh, now we look, I mean, we could go on and on, as you know. I'm sure you all follow the news to some degree. But Russia, Gog and Magog, and uh, that is an issue. Uh, Russia, of course, uh, is move, the United States and Russia are moving further apart. And you see the configuration of the Gog-Magog situation being set up. So what happens when Gog and his armies attack Israel? And we see this in Ezekiel 38-39. By the way, in Israel, most Jew, uh, religious Jews see this as their main future prophecy. Most Jews in Israel be believe that the Gog-Magog war is going to take place. Uh, talking about Jews that are religious. And we see uh, our friend, Mr. I Can't Get a Job, uh, talking about how Israel must be uh, wiped off the map. And uh, we've seen this kind of stuff building. Now, when you look at the biblical text, the biblical names, and I'm skipping through these, uh, you see that the nations involved are, are Russia, is the leader. And then you have uh, Turkey for these uh, people are in modern Turkey today. You see uh, Iran, Persia, Iran, 
uh, no doubt about that. And then you see the Kush is Saudi, is Sudan or Somali, and Put is Libya, Algeria, Tunis, or some uh, some of those. Gomer is north central Turkey, and Togomar is eastern Turkey. So it says and others with them, and so this is, I believe, uh, as you yeah, is a regional partial attack on Israel that probably happens uh, at the beginning and perhaps in that interval between the rapture and the start of the tribulation because then you have at the end all the armies of the world. In other words, they fail because of God's supernatural intervention. This is not because of the IDF or anything like that, but God supernaturally comes in and destroys uh, these nations that attack them. And then it says he sends fire on the homelands. You know, and so probably what this will do is remove Islam as a global factor and make, the way, make a way for the European Union to then set up for the Antichrist uh, to come in. And so you have the campaign of Armageddon as, and it ends this as all the armies of the world uh, come against Israel at the, in conjunction with the second coming. They're going to get them this time, supposedly. And that's why Christ has to intervene with the second coming. And then you see Putin calls meeting over Israel attack. And so this was in 2014. And this is a first with Turkey's president, Erdogan, and Putin spoke on Wednesday regarding the growing conflict. And by the way, these people have never been together before. So Putin's courting of Israel fades as ties turn bitter on Ukraine. And uh, Russia is poised to close the Jewish agency after three decades there. And diplomatic spat comes amid Kremlin's standoff with the U.S. on Ukraine. So uh, these friendly ties are, are disintegrating here. And in first, Turkey included as a threat in the IDF's annual intel assessment in 2019. That's the first time they saw Turkey as a threat. Some of y'all are old enough to remember Turkey and Israel were big buddies until the uh, until Iran. What did I say? Turkey and Iran were buddies, and Iran was very friendly with the Shah and. Uh, they used to, am I mixing things up here? I think so. Uh, and they used to uh, let the IDF, you know, practice a lot in Turkey and those kind of things. And, of course, now, in the last month, Erdogan has abandoned the West and has become militant in his statements against Israel. Just don't do this and don't do that, absolute statements. So Princeton study backs end times Gog and Magog war prophecy. Isn't that great? To hear Princeton? So, well, <clears throat> and they, simulation predicts 90 million casualties possible within hours. A uh, new Princeton study backs up the biblical account. It's a program on science and global security concludes that Gog battle is a realistic scenario. Wow, now we can believe it, right? Well, Russia has recruited several thousand Muslim Hezbollah Syrian troops to assist in their campaign to pummel Ukraine into submission. And uh, actually, Russia's coming out of this stronger than before. Now, they've lost uh, tens of thousands of uh, troops, but apparently that doesn't bother them. And uh, over 40,000 Syrians reportedly registered to fight for Russia and Ukraine. You know, they talked about how 20,000 Americans went over there to help them. Well, they've got 40,000 Syrians helping them, helping the Russian thing. So the stage is being set for Gog and Magog invasion uh, that we've been talking about here. Uh, so, it, and all of these headlines are none that I made. They're cut and paste out of the media. And uh, says, are we living in the biblical end times? What scripture says about Gog, Magog, or Russia chaos there in, in March 
2022. And here you have the first time in history these countries have ever been in league together, Russia, Iran, and Turkey. Never before have they ever been allies together like they are now, which is, as we've already pointed out, part of the Gog-Magog uh, configuration here. So Putin visits Iran on first trip outside of former Soviet Union since the Ukraine war started. That's July 19, 2022. And he met with uh, uh, the leaders of Iran. So let's move on to the temple now. And uh, back in 1992, some of y'all remember that far back, uh, Randall Price and I wrote a book called Ready to Rebuild. And it was about efforts to rebuild the temple back in those days. So what's that, 30-something years, 32 years ago? So uh, here's an Israeli politician who wants the third temple. See, the first temple, the second temple, even though the second temple was remodeled, it's still considered the second temple area. So the third temple is what we call the tribulation temple. The fourth temple would be the millennial temple that God's going to bring ready-made down from heaven uh, in conjunction with the second coming, or at least 75 days after the second coming. Um, details, details, details. So uh, this guy wants, a, a, Jew, a Jewish guy in Israel parliament wants the third temple now. So here's a model from the, the Temple Institute. I've been, have any of y'all been to the Temple Institute? Yeah. Exactly, and they've got this model for the third temple. And uh, this is, I guess, you know, they're in control uh, of these things. And uh, our team of architects is responsible for preparation for plans of the third temple. They honor the prophecy of Ezekiel based on comments of Rashi, uh, along with uh, other rabbis, each of whom... Uh, clarified and made accessible verses 40 through 47 of the book. Of, those are chapters 40 through 47 of the book of, it, of Ezekiel. These programs take into account the latest techniques, especially in terms of the environmental protection. That's important, you know. <laughs> and the latest standards. See, if, we're gonna, if, if we've only been here a little over 6,000 years, then the changes going on today are really meaningless. If we've been here for billions and billions of years, you can see each little incremental change from their perspective is important. So that's what pagan philosophy does. It creates uh, issues that are not really issues. But uh, <clears throat> these plans will be deposited by the Jerusalem municipality once the Temple Mount is released from the buildings that currently exist on it. And afterwards, the Ministry of the Interior Committee will approve the municipality plans and approve construction. Uh, our lawyers defend the project before the municipality and the Minister of the Interior and Supreme Court. So there is a serious effort to see the temple rebuilt. And this is Kyle Richmond. I met him once. He's director of the Temple Institute in Jerusalem. He's originally from Chicago. <clears throat> says, our team of architects is responsible for preparation for the plans of the third temple. They honor the prophecy of Ezekiel based on the uh, comments of Rashi. Uh, you know, I already quoted that, didn't I? Well, but he's the guy that's saying that, Kyle Richmond. He's head of the Temple Institute, the organization that is trying to get the temple rebuilt. Now, on to Babylon. <clears throat> uh, I remember back in the 90s when I traveled in Europe a lot, I saw this poster on the left. Europe, many tongues, one voice. And there was a, pa a painting back in the 1500s by a guy named Bergel of the Tower of Babel. And so they've adopted that and they put the 12 stars of the European Union. Uh, by the way, I've read on European Union sites that those 12 stars come from the 12 tribes of Israel for some reason. They, they never explain why just that, if you know what I mean. And so that poster was all over Europe uh, when I was traveling 
back in the 90s. And so there's the Tower of Babel by Bergol. And now you have the European Parliament in Strasbourg is built uh, using that model. And so you have, this is the one in Strasbourg. And it is the place where they have like eight different uh, language translations across the Rhine River there on the right is where they do all the translations. Everything has to be according to your, translated in eight different languages. So that's why they have this language-related thing. And they have a parliament. This is their second parliament building, but the, one they, the main one they use now, they're on the left. And uh, there's Janice and I at it. And out front is uh, the mother and child. And even though they have no specific uh, religious connotations, uh, Roman Catholicism is big in the European Union in an unofficial way, if I could say that, as depicted by this out front, the, the mother and child. Uh, and so if you, if you look at this, this is built as an unfinished Tower of Babel. And the EU is going to complete this and bring the world together into one big happy family, right? And so you go inside, there's no ceiling there. there and you have, the, these are the offices for the, the EU. And like I say, that other building next to it is where the parliament is. And right in the middle is this, this. There's no explanation of it, but it's obviously a world that's going to be put back together. And, and the way it supposedly should be. And of course, the implications of the European Union is going to do that. Now, globalism. Anybody heard anything about globalism recently? The globalist fanatical quest for a one world government. By any measure, the global elite's decades long quest for a one world government is exceedingly far from American ideas, needless to say. Uh, here is a conference that's supposed to take place uh, called Global Governance 20, or at least that's where they're heading for by 2025. See, this is 2024. We're getting there. <clears throat> uh, the European Union Institute for uh, Security Studies is having this. What is global governance? Global governance brings together diverse actors to coordinate collective action at the level of the planet. The goal of global governance, roughly defined, is to provide global public goods, particularly peace and security, justice and mediation systems for conflict uh, and functioning markets. So globalism's coming golden age, why crisis ends in connection. See, that's why they like, everybody knows this, you know, they create crises so that they can, uh, we can lose our national our state, our local, state, and national uh, jurisdictions are assumed in a federal uh, thing, which, of course, then the federal government's going to be part of the global activity. So the roaring globalization of the 2020s, Harold James says, a new golden age of globalization is approaching. I agree. Princeton professor Harold James explains why the current crisis, like past crises, could trigger a new push for globalization. Uh, here's one. Uh, September 17, 2023, the G20 agrees to push cashless society's digital globe. Yeah, that way they can take your bank accounts if you're a saver and devalue it every minute if they want to. I mean, that, if you're a saver like I am, that's very concerning. You could lose the value of your money and make you de totally dependent on the government. Uh, <clears throat> Pope Francis calls for global governance and universal vaccines and letter to global finance. I mean, that guy is such a one-worlder. You know, half of the Catholics don't like the guy. And, but he's in there, isn't he? 
And here is a college where you can get uh, a bachelor's degree in global governance. How many of y'all want a bachelor's degree in global <laughs> governance? And you can do it online. If not now, when? COVID-19 spurs global push to tackle wealth gap. The wealth gap. Do all these billionaires know about the wealth gap? The massive injections of uh, fiscal and monetary stimulus and ideas such as one-off taxes on the rich and basic income support for the poor potentially set the scene for the biggest egalitarian shift since uh, generous welfare states emerged in Western Europe after World War II. So we're seeing this uh, supposedly leveling of incomes, at least for the hoi polloi. And here's Zygmunt Brzezinski. How many of y'all have seen his daughter on with, with, that, uh, with that guy that used to be a Republican congressman? Yeah, Morning Joe. That's his daughter, the blonde girl. <coughs> uh, shortly, the public will be unable to reason or think for themselves. Uh, they'll only be able to parrot the information that they've been given on the previous night's news. Uh, here is our friend Bill Gates. Vaccines are the best way to depopulate. February 6, 2022. Bill Gates admits that vaccines are, the hum are for human depopulation. According to him, to stabilize world population, 350,000 people must be eliminated per day. Well, how about you, Bill? Why don't you volunteer in some, in some of your elites, you know? And uh, there has been uh, a few million people even in the United States. Uh, we've gone down in population. Oh, except for the immigrants, uh, the illegal aliens that keep coming across the border. But, uh, Athlete collapse death between, this is, this is old, between 20, 21, and 22. And uh, nearly 900 young, healthy athletes confirmed dead in 18 months as British Heart Foundation releases and normalizes heart attacks in children. I wonder why. I've, I've watched an hour video uh, last year of these soccer players in Europe just falling over and dying. And it used to be they'd have like one guy do that every 10 years. And now they're just going by the car load. I wonder why. Of course, it's the vaccine, supposedly. Here's uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. You think about this. I got expelled from an institute now because the vaccine is a connection. Instagram and Facebook cannot point the one single erroneous statement that I have made. Everything we post is vetted, it is sourced and cited to government databases for peer-reviewed publications. When they use the term vaccine misinformation, they are using it as a euphemism or any statement that departs from official government policy and pharmaceutical industry profit-taking. It has nothing to do whether it's true or false. It only has to do with what the political implications are. And who is doing this censorship? It's government officials in league with Bill Gates, with Larry Ellison, with Mark Zuckerberg, with Sergey Brin from Google, and with all of these internet titans. There, they have engineered not only the destruction of our democracy and our civil rights, but they have engineered the biggest shift of wealth in human history. $3.8 trillion from working people to these handful of billionaires, many of them from Silicon Valley. This pandemic has impoverished the world and created 500 new billionaires. And those are the people who are strip-lining our economies and making themselves rich. And is it a coincidence 
That these the same people who are censoring criticism of the government policies that are bringing them trillions of dollars. People aren't stupid. We can see what's happening. We can ask the question, we own them. And the answer is the people who are benefiting are the people who are squeezing away our constitutional rights and engineering the destruction of democracy worldwide. It's one of the few things I agree with him on. Uh, but he, he nailed it. This is, this is what's happening. Uh, and former Pfizer employee declares COVID vaccine is the bioweapon and Fauci is enriching himself with the pandemic. You know, that poor little guy that's the highest paid whatever, you know, for all these years. Now, here's an interesting statement. The Smithsonian has unveiled a futures exhibit at their Arts and Industries building. Now, it may not be a future any of us care to visit. According to Just the News, one kiosk asks visitors, when might there be a single global government? You can choose between 10 years to never. Now, my question is, why did an American institute funded by taxpayers suggest that a one-world government is ever an acceptable vision of the future? Who would plant that idea in the minds of tourists and children and visitors? It's crazy. Wait, did George Soros find this exhibit? If you look close, does it say, brought to you by the kids behind the great reset? Is that what? Yeah, I mean, even some semi-mainline news people are talking about this kind of stuff. The second big name in Biden administration backs the global tax. Uh, last month, Tre Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said it was time to end a 30-year race to the bottom on corporate tax rates and establish a global tax system so corporations could not uh, find a tax haven anywhere in the world. Wouldn't that be wonderful? <clears throat> So we see that they want to get their paws on everybody. They don't want you, anybody to uh, not be that. Now, I, I grew up in Texas, and, you know, it doesn't have a state income tax and some other things. It's a low, lower, relatively lower tax state, and that's part of the reason why it grows when other areas of the country are in decline. And uh, there are seven or eight states like that. So taxes can be a big deal. Now I live in Illinois. <laughs> so like going, well, so this op-ed said, this week elites in Switzerland set the stage for a cashless society and a one-world government. So uh, this week, two powerful globalist bodies are meeting to advance ideas and proposals that would place enormous authority in fewer hands on two key fronts that affect people worldwide. So they're planning. Then we see Holocaust survivor warns of America's path compared to Nazi Germany and gives a recommendation. So this is somebody uh, who lived through Nazi Germany. She was only three years old when the world went to hell in a handbasket. She spent three years in a concentration camp and finally escaped thanks to her mother lying about who she was. Now, and she knows, she, so people are making a lot of comparisons between what's going on uh, globally and beginning to happen in the United States with Nazi Germany, of course. U.S. Senate ratifies the Kingle uh, Amendment, handing more sovereignty to the United States nations. And they voted on, and this is September 22nd, 2022, to ratify the King Galley uh, Amendment to the Montreal Protocol, further strengthening the United Nations at the expense of U.S. national sovereignty and advancing the left's radical environmentalist agenda. The Senate voted 69 to 27 in favor of ratification, uh, surpassing the two-thirds majority. So... Uh, Yuval Noah Harari spills the beans, and he, he's the assistant of, of uh, goodness, Klaus Schraub. He, he's a really bad guy. 
Uh, so we just don't need the vast majority of the population. Once again, I, I would like to see him volunteer to be one that goes. Technology will make it possible to replace the people. So the World Economic Forum advisor uh, Harari has declared in a recent interview that the vast majority of the world's seven and a half billion people are simply no longer needed due to technological advances in artificial intelligence, machine learning, and bioengineering. Well, This week's elites in Switzerland set the stage for a caste society and one world government. So two powerful globalist bodies are meeting to advance ideas and proposals that would place enormous authority in fewer hands on two key fronts that affect people worldwide. Now let's look at the Middle East. With the breakup of the Ottoman Empire a little over 100 years ago, we have seen the reconfiguration of those nations predicted to have an end-time role in relation to Israel. See, back, back then, the, the Islamic Empire was one thing. And you began to have the breakup 100 years ago of that into nation-states again. The reconfiguration in the Middle East of nation-states. And that's all I'm going to say about that, is that they become nations again. Now, the European Union... And uh, this is a statue outside the Brussels, and it's a woman riding the beast, in case you didn't know that. That's right out of the book of Revelation. <laughs> and uh, this is all over the place. Here's Der Spiegel showing it, uh, the woman riding the beast. And uh, you have many instances of that. <clears throat> and you have each uh, European country has the two euro coin, and each country has a little different uh, one side of it. And here in, uh, let's see, what country is that? Greece, I think, has the woman riding the beast. And they, they like to have that symbol for some reason. Of course, that's right out of the book of Revelation. Watch out, Germany is on the rise again. Germany has attempted to construct a fourth Reich by pressing for a European Union, federal union, according to Poland's deputy minister, uh, Kurzyzek, something like that. And uh, so the the Polish are right to be worried about this. And uh, Eurosceptic alliance to fight creation of European superstates. So there, there is a movement among Poland, for example, which is one of the few countries that hasn't allowed immigration. And so they've been able to maintain their identity as opposed to the rest of most of Europe that's had all of these Muslims that have immigrated in there. Uh, And so it's transformed the European Union into an ideologically charged federal superstate, a corporation with uh, disregards national identity and sovereignty and therefore democracy, plurality, and the interest of the citizens of the nations that form the union. And so this is leading toward, uh, as we believe, the revived Roman Empire here thing. So I'm moving along. European Union vaccine uh, injury data system reported 18,928 dead and 1.8 million injuries from the experimental COVID-19 jabs. And that's the European Union. And so I have a bunch of other articles. UK vaxxed dying at a six-time higher rate than the unvaxxed. The U.S. vaxxed have an 18% higher death rate. See, so this is part of it. So Klaus Schraub, uh, School for COVID Dictators, uh, planned for the reset. And he is a German engineer and economist best known for the founder and executive uh, chairman of the uh, World Economic Forum. And here you see in this picture uh, from his office, Vladimir Lenin statue there, little communist stuff here. And there he is in some getup, which I don't know what that means, but but here, here he is. Next. One of the features of this fourth industrial revolution is that it doesn't change what we are doing, but it changes us. 
uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing, it changes you. If you take a genetic editing, uh, just as an example, it's you who are changed, and of course this has a big impact on your identity. Editing your genes? Cool! I'll explain that later. But first, why do so many people consider this guy, Klaus Schwab, to be the most dangerous man in the world? Well, there's some reasons. Cash of Society, and we wrote a book back in 1996, Coming Cash of Society. And I just thought I'd show that tattoo place in London, 666 Tattoos. And go. Are you ready for a central bank digital currency here in the States? Well, regardless of whether you're ready or not, the Federal Reserve has announced that next July in 2023, they will be launching the Fed Now service which will be the infrastructure for the American CBDC. Now, you have this, uh, this is from a couple days ago. It's saying January 31st there was, of this month, uh, there's going to be a mandatory U.S. dollar recall. Now, I don't know if that's going to actually happen, but this guy is predicting that as early as three or four weeks from now. But you see... Uh, I've got too much stuff to go here, but I'm, I've run out of time. And if we go to the apostasy in the church, we see that the Bible talks about end-time apostasy. And all but the book of James, uh, all of them are epistles written toward the end of a person's life. And their focus is on the end-time apostasy. Here's a... A uh, new version of the Bible called the Critical Race Translation. How can that be a translation? That's not a translation. And here, here's a, the guy in Canada who got arrested uh, because he wouldn't call a boy a girl. But you have here three or four. It says, if Jesus returns, kill him again. And... Uh, UndoJesus.org. Like they can do that, right? And CNN warns of rapture anxiety, claims ex Christians struggle with the trauma over end times teaching. Well, I would too if I kind of halfway knew what was going on and I wasn't a believer. But what does the future hold? Well, we'll wait and see. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that you have. Uh, given us hope in Jesus Christ and that things are going as you prophesied. But we pray that that would motivate us to double, triple, quadruple our efforts to reach those who don't know Christ as their Savior and that we would live godly lives for you in these last days. And we just pray to that end in Christ's name. Amen.